Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Jerry with the message. So for the past four weeks, we have been in our Advent series. And today, we are finishing that this morning. And so in Advent, usually, that's the four weeks leading up to Christmas, usually we talk about four things, love, joy, peace, and hope. And today, I'm going to talk about love. And I think that love is a pretty big, broad topic, right? And we have different ideas and definitions of what we mean when we say love. I don't know if you're familiar with the Five Love Languages book that was written, actually it was written before some of you were born, but uh, in the 90s. But it's been popularized, especially in Christian communities, that there are five different ways that people receive love. See if I can say them. Um, Words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, physical touch, quality time. And so that just goes to say that each one of us sort of understand love in a different way. We receive love in different ways. We give love in different ways. If you've ever been in a relationship, uh, you know, a romantic relationship, you know that sometimes the person loves you in a way that's not, doesn't mean anything to you. Or sometimes you do things for them that actually don't hit the spot you're trying to trying to hit to make them feel loved. And so we, there's this swirl about what love actually even really means. We have, but we, but we do believe that love is important. I think many of us, most of us would say, like love is one of the most important things in the world. We have books about love. And actually I found out while I was researching that in the fiction genre, romance is the, the highest selling fiction kind of books. And actually, I also found out that the average person to read a romance novel is 42 years old. A 42-year-old woman, I'm a 42-year-old woman. So I thought that was interesting. But anyway, we have movies about love, songs about love. And so love is something that's sort of on our radar, right? Even if we don't really exactly know what it means or how to get it, we think it's important. And what's true is that it actually is a human need. I don't know if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Abraham Maslow in the early 1900s, he's a psychologist who sort of studied what do humans need in order to thrive. And so it's a pyramid, sort of like the food pyramid. At the very bottom is our physiological needs. Food, shelter, water, we need those things. Next to that is safety. We need to know that we're not gonna be hurt That's sort of the fight or flight thing. We need to know that we're gonna be safe. And right after that, as soon as those needs are met, we begin as humans searching for love. That's the next thing on the continuum. So according to Maslow, whether you subscribe to that or not, as soon as we feel like we've had enough to eat, drink, sleep, and that we're not gonna be harmed, humans need love. And what's true is that for most of us in this room, Our physiological needs, our safety needs are met. None of you look very scared that something's gonna happen right now that you're not safe. And so for many of us, maybe that is our search. Maybe that's the thing that we recognize inside of ourselves that we actually need to get fulfilled now. The way that Maslow says that we accomplish this is by intimate relationships and friends. 
And so there's this need for connectedness. Love is not something that we can produce or experience inside of ourselves. We can't just get love by ourselves. It has to be shared with other people. There has to, have this, it has to be this experience of connectedness in order for us to really feel and receive love. And that is right by design. Humans are made to share love, loving relationships with other people. But because other people are involved or have to be, it gets kind of tricky because we also really know that we have very little control over people around us. We have very little ability, if any, I would say none, no ability to make someone else love us. And that can be scary, especially if we recognize that it is something that we need. Food, shelter, water, safety, those are all things that to some degree we can procure on our own. We can go and get those, but love is something that we need other people for and we recognize that we have zero control over other people to make them love us. And so I think what I see is there are two major ways that we deal with this need for love, knowing that we can't make people love us. The first way is that we work really hard to get love. So we do lots of things. The second way is that we recognize that we can't get it from people, we can't control them to make them love us, and so we just deny that we need it. We say, oh, I, there's no way for me to procure that on my own, so I will choose to believe I actually don't need friendships, actually don't need relationships or other people at all, people are too difficult, I don't like people, all of the things that we say to convince ourselves that it's not a need, that we don't actually need this. And so I call this the giving tree, or the Grinch, which I thought was kind of appropriate for today, right? Kind of cute. So the giving tree approach, I don't know if you guys have heard of this book, The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. It's a children's book. And in The Giving Tree, it talks about a boy and a tree. And they play together while the boy is little. The boy comes and he eats the apples of the tree. He swings in the branches of the tree. He rests in the shade of the tree. And they love each other. That's how the book starts. And then it goes a little bit further, and the boy gets a little bit older. And the boy comes to the tree, and the tree says, Boy, come and eat my apples. Come swing in my branches. Come rest in my shade. And the boy says, I don't want those things anymore. I'm old and older, and I don't need those things. What I actually want is money. Can you give me money, tree? And the tree says, well, you can take all of my apples and you can sell them and then you can get money and then you will be happy and then the tree will be happy. So the, that's what happens. The boy goes away for a while and then the boy comes back and the tree says, boy, come and eat the apples, swing and my branches rest in my shade. And the boy says, I don't want those things anymore. What I need now is a house. Can you give me a house? And the tree says, well, you can cut off all my branches and use them, make a house, and then you will be happy and I will be happy. So that's what happens. A little while later, the boy goes away and then comes back, same thing. The boy says, I want a boat so I can sail far away. And the tree says, okay, well, you can cut down my trunk 
and use it to build a boat, then you'll be happy and I'll be happy. And so in the end, the tree is nothing but a stump because the tree has given everything it had to try to procure love to get that need met. That's the giving tree example. Many of you probably resonate with the giving tree. And then there's the Grinch. Now the Grinch is pretty crotchety, right? And he's all alone. And it's very, if you watch it, watch it again. If you watch it, you can recognize that he really wants to control everything around him. And he's concerned that perhaps he's not going to be able to be loved or accepted. So he decides he doesn't need those things and begins to control the environment such that he can have his way and push people away. That's the Grinch. And I think often those are our two responses to this fact that we actually do need love, but we can't get it on our own. We need other people to get it. Or we do some conglomeration of the two. This is who I used to be. This is how I would operate. And I call this the uh, giving Grinch tree. That's what I think I was for a long time. Because as, as I was growing up, there were some lies that I really believed about who I was, what I was worth, and if people would love me. And so what that meant is that I would go around like the giving tree, giving people whatever they needed, anything that I thought maybe they could need, thought it was really my job to fix people so that they would love me and need me. But in reality, there was something in me that also knew I couldn't trust that they would actually love me no matter what I did. So there was some pushing away. I will do everything I can for you, but just in case, I will also let you not know me. I will guard my heart. And so I think for many of us, some mix of these things are probably ways that we've shown up in the world to try to get love. When we lived in Columbus, there was this small group that my husband and I started going to, pretty much out of obligation. We went to a church, kind of like this church, where they said, you need to be in a small group. We say that, but we call them life groups. So if you're, if you're familiar here, you know that we think that's really important, and so we started going to a small group. But I was someone who was still very much pushing people away, not able to trust in friendships. I thought I didn't need friends. So we started going to this small group, and there was a group of women there who really, really loved each other. And that was interesting to me to see. I'd never experienced that, at least in friendships. And they were going on a retreat in a couple weeks. This was shortly after we started coming. And they invited me to come, and I did not want to go because I knew that it meant I was going to have to trust them in some way, but I felt like God made me, so I went. And what I found in these women was these deep, loving relationships, love that they shared between each other, and they welcomed me into that, even though they didn't know me. And that changed something in my heart. That made me want to walk closer to them to experience this kind of love that they were sharing, but also closer to Jesus because I knew that that was the source of the love that they had. Maybe they really liked each other, but at least for me because they didn't know me. And so this is a gift of the Lord to me to welcome me into this way of love. 
Really, none of the ways that we try to procure love or get love on our own are fulfilling. But in John, 1 John chapter 1, John offers us another way to get the love need that we actually have fulfilled. So we're going to pray, and then we'll look to Scripture. God, I thank you that you are with us, and I just thank you this morning for your presence in worship. God, it was, you're always here, but it was tangible this morning. And so, Lord, I thank you that, uh, that you want to meet with us and that we can experience you in that way. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to hear whatever it is you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, not a one. That's steak sauce. I don't know what's happening. Okay. <laughs> Moving right along. This is harder than you think. Okay. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 4, chapters, or verses 7 through 12. And it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And so in the midst of this, these swirling ideas and differing opinions we have about what love is and how we get love, John is pretty clear. He cuts to the chase and says in verse 8, God is love. And this is kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around, because he's saying much, something much deeper than God loves us. That's not necessarily what he's saying here. That is true. But what he's saying is the essence of who God is, is love. That the defining characteristic of God is love. The origin of God's love is God. It's not dependent on anything other than himself. And that's really hard for us to get because we don't necessarily experience that not only that but our nature that is not our nature our essence is not necessarily love so it's hard for us to understand and what's true is that god is a trinity right god the father the son and the holy spirit this divine relationship of love this pouring out it's always other directed and constantly going, this love relationship that God invites us into, that God is love. It's directional and other-serving. It's not that we have been good or worked hard for God or gotten our act together. It's not even because he took pity on us or felt sorry for us that God loves us. God loves us because God is love. It's not motivated by anything we've done or left undone. It's completely in him. He loves us because God 
is love. It existed. God's love existed before we even had recognition that we needed God's love. I think that's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we live in a world where love is so conditional, right? It's so dependent on what you will do for me or what you will not do for me or to me. I will love you based on your action. Every single uh, relationship that we're in has some measure of condition to it. But that's not the way with love, with God. And that's why it's so misguided when we think, well, I've done A, B, or C, or I've not done A, B, or C. I've left things undone that I should do, and so God must not love me. We get confused about where God's love comes from. And we see this conditional human kind of love pretty much everywhere we go, right? We see it in marriages where people say they fell out of love or a relationship, marriage or friendship, any kind of relationship isn't working for them anymore. And so we're not really doing that anymore. We're not pursuing that person in love. And we talk about it as if it's sort of passive, right? Something that happened to us, love happens to us, or it doesn't happen to us. And so we, we either drop people or we get dropped based on behavior and condition in love. That's our experience generally. And I think for many of us, even if we do get some amount of love, if we're in a relationship with someone where we experience some amount of love, there's always some fear, I think, in the back of our minds, will it be enough, though? If I really mess it up, if I really don't show up for this person in the ways that they're expecting me to, will it be enough for them to continue in relationship with me? If I do something wrong and I hurt them, will it be enough? Will they continue to pursue me in relationship? And when we ask that question of human relationships, the best answer is maybe. Maybe someone will love you enough to continue with you through thick and thin, even if you get it wrong, even if you mess it up, even if you hurt them, maybe a human will continue with you. Don't get me wrong. I love my husband. He loves me. We made vows nearly 20 years ago to continue in love with each other. And I do have a level of trust that he will continue with me. However, we are both sinful. The only place where we can find love without condition is in God because it does not depend on us. And so when we ask the question, will the love be enough? Will it continue to reach for me even when I mess it up? Intentionally or unintentionally, when we ask that question of God, the answer is always yes. It will be enough because it never depended on what you did or didn't do. Not only that, but God's love is not just in word, it is active, it's not passive. It flies in the face of the way that we think about love, 
happening to us or not happening to us. God's love always pursues those who are far from him. Let's look at verse 9. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Real love is not passive. It's active. The women in the small group in Columbus were actively moved by love to pursue me. They didn't just let me come and be there. They invited me in. They asked me questions about my life. They asked what I liked to eat and had those things available. Real love is active. Again, let's look at verses 10 through 12. It says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. The unconditional act of love of God, when we really get a hold of what that means and how deeply we're loved, when we're secure enough in who we are, knowing that the creator of the universe loves us, provides for us, is with us and for us, the product of that kind of love is compassion. It moves us toward other people and we can begin to see people as objects of God's love instead of objects by which we might get our love need filled. Instead of either manipulating people through good works in the giving tree or pushing people away because they're afraid that they won't love us like a Grinch, we can look at people as loved by God and begin to extend that same kind of love to them because our need for love is already filled and secured in God. We don't need other people to fill that for us if we're secure in God's love. Verse 12 says that as we are free and join in God's active love to love other people, we in turn experience more of God's love. His love is being made complete in us. We can be so full of God's love that we give it away. Have you ever started an exercise program? Some of us know. Yeah, I've started many and quit many. But what happens at the beginning of an exercise program, at least for me, is that you think, okay, I'm going to go to the gym. Maybe I'm going to walk on the treadmill. We'll start slow. We'll do that for 15 minutes, right? And if you can keep it up day after day, the next week you think, maybe I could walk 18 minutes. Or maybe I can run for one minute and then walk for 14. There's something about getting your body moving in the direction of the thing that you want that creates also motivation for you to do the thing. That's at least my experience. Until my knees start hurting and then I quit. But we're not, that's not part of the illustration. So, so as we get our body moving in the direction that we want it to go, there is some 
also momentum to help us continue in that direction. And that's what verse 12 is telling us about God's love. That as we are filled with God's love, we are secure in God's love, that need that we have, this legitimate need, is being filled by something that is secure and not shifty, not something that we have to try to control. As we are able to do that, we can extend love to other people in action. And as we extend love to other people in action, more love wells up in us. That's what happens. God's love becomes even more, which motivates us to do more love in action. That's, what this, that's how this happens. That's how we get the love that we so desire. It's in God. It's rooted deeply in God and then reaching out to others. And as we love people in that way, people who are looking for love in all the places where people look for love are inspired by that kind of love because it's real and it's lasting. And if you've ever seen it moving in the small group that I talked about earlier, I could see that they loved each other in this way that was like something I'd never experienced in a friendship before and I wanted it. I was motivated to get it. If we can love people in that way because we know that we are so loved by God, people will be set free by God's love. And I think we can all agree that the world needs love. That there are so many people, we could probably count on two hands the number of people in an instant we can come up with who are looking for love in places where they will never find love, who actually need deep, rooted, securing love. I'm going to invite the worship team up as we begin to close here. We seek love on our own because we know it's a real need and that we have to have it met. But because of the condition-based love that we're so used to, we don't really even know how to get it or if we can trust it when people say that they love us. But perfect love is available only in God and actually in greater measure as we join God in his mission to love the world. As we're connected to love that's unconditional through God and never ending, we're compelled to action in loving others rather than manipulating them and trying to get our own love needs met. Instead, we can be filled with deep abiding love and invite others into that love. And one way that I really see that we are trying to give people tools for this, handholds for this, is in life group. As I mentioned earlier, we believe that you cannot connect in a deep, meaningful way with all of these people around you. And so we form smaller groups of people who can really do life together and love each other in tangible ways, who can be filled with the love of God and extend that to each other. And so if you are not a part of a life group, life groups are going to be starting up again in January, I would highly recommend, I like, can't say it emphatically enough, that you should be 
and a life group, especially if you're experiencing loneliness or you're not sure if you're filled with a deep love that's secure. This is where you get it. Not because of the people, but because of the love that God will pour into them and they will reach out to you with. The second way is in life journaling. We talked a little bit about this last week. Life journals are a journal with a Bible reading plan that goes for a year or a little over a year, depending on which plan you do. And this is a really good way for you to begin deep connection with God. The Bible is a story of love. And so if you need to be deeply rooted, as I talk about God's love that is secure and deep, and you're not sure that you have that security, that groundedness, life journaling is a really great way to do that, to begin on that process. I'm going to have life journals out in the lobby. If you'd like to get one of those, please meet me after the service. The world needs love. God is the source of love. If we are followers of of God, of Jesus, we need to be people who can be filled with his love so that we are not shakable, so that regardless of what happens to us, we know that we are secure because we're loved. And then we can move in that love toward other people so that they can find freedom. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.